0: Alright, I am really excited about Genesis chapter 21, especially after I've done some studying on it and uh, seen the theme of redemption through it. It was rather surprising to me that these are three stories of redemption rather than uh, one story of redemption and two stories of Walking away from the Lord and things. Um, But I was, I listened to Baruch this week and he pointed out uh, some things that I had never realized in the story of Hagar and Ishmael and the story of Abimelech. And I always kind of wondered, why in the world did they throw Abimelech into the story? One, he's a Philistine or he lives in the land of Philistines. So I just assumed he's a Philistine. They never have a good relationship in the Bible. Except for here, they do. And so it is neat to see that. Um, Clear my mind. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your direction. Lord, we pray that you would be able to speak clearly through me, the message that you've put on my heart this morning. Lord, we pray that it would communicate to White Rose and across um, social media as well. Guide us in your ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Genesis chapter 21, we're going to go through the whole chapter. It is quite a bit of reading for the 34 verses, but I think it is important. The premise and where we're going today is when we when you walk in the promises of God, when you seek the truth in God, and when you are submissive to the word of God, you will have direction in your life. We are often looking for direction. Where should we go? What should we do next? how should we live, all those things. This is a passage, really Genesis leading up to this, is a passage of Scripture that um, just delights in that. So if you are able and willing to, the Red Bibles in front of you, which most of them are Red Bibles now, because I've changed most of the black ones out, Um, that's the NLT, and that's where we're going to be at. We're going to read the first six verses of Genesis chapter 21. It said, the Lord kept his word. What a great way to start a sentence. You know something good is going to happen in this situation when the Lord keeps his word. Okay, the Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant, and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened just the time God had said it would, and Abraham named their son Isaac. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. Abraham was a 100 years old when Isaac was born, and Sarah declared, God has brought me laughter, which is what Isaac means. All who hear about this will laugh with me. Who, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse a baby, yet I have given Abraham, a son in his old age. What a great prayer of praise. Thus says the word of the Lord. We see the promises of God. If you look through our message statement at the top of the bulletin, you'll see that we are, um, when we walk in the promises of God, we're going to talk about the promises of God this morning, specifically the miracle of life in your 90s. Um, ladies, if God's working, there's still plenty of time left to have kids. You're like, what? I know, but God can do a miracle, and what a miracle he has done. And it's not the only time he does this, right? He does this another time in the New Testament uh, to a woman beyond the age of bearing children. He allows her to have a kid. God has brought you laughter, Sarah. The first time when we heard Sarah hear the name, she laughed almost in a, definitely in doubt, maybe a smidge of mocking in the sense that there's no way that's going to happen. While she's looking at her own power, she's looking at her own authority, isn't she? She is not looking at the authority and power of the Lord. Now, she is laughing in joy. So I got to thinking, what has brought me laughter? What has brought you laughter? What are some of the things that you like to laugh at or laugh with? Uh, good friends help bring laughter. Uh, sometimes it's entertainment that we see. Our kids bring laughter. I don't think I've laughed more in my life, but with and sometimes at my kids, right? Right? And they laugh with and at their dad, especially when he can't pronounce words. They love that one. Uh, so praise God for our children. Praise God for our friendships. Relationships bring laughter, don't they? And praise God with it, with the Lord, that the Lord has supplied me with joy. With those things, He has surprised me with joy. So wow. As we look back over the story, we see we see um, that we've seen so far with Abraham. So we look back over it. We see plenty of reasons for God to leave Abraham for another choice, don't we? There's plenty of excuses for God to say, oh, you broke the contract. I'm out. But he doesn't do that, does he? doesn't do that at all. He remains faithful. You think about the time in Egypt when Sarah is almost taken away. And you notice that this promise is given through Sarah. It was God's plan for the whole time that God was going to do this promise through Sarah. Again, with Abimelech, Sarah is almost taken away. God's preserved her once again. You think of Hagar and, the, and Sarah and the the strife that has brought their marriage, probably for about 14 years. And we see God being faithful once again. And then family issues. Lot gets in trouble. Abraham prays. We're not sure what's going to go on. And God is always there. He's always there for Abraham. He's always there for Sarah. He's there for Lot. And we w- soon we'll see... is there for Abimelech as well. And that's very exciting. Some that walk close with God, God is there for. Some that are walking far away from God, God is drawing them near and then walking close to them as well. Now Sarah is rejoicing with the promise that God has given to them in Isaac. And this should remind us in the hard times of life what we find in Hebrews 10, 23. For let us hold tightly Without wavering to the hope we have, we affirm: for God can be trusted to keep His promises. Amen. Wow, what a verse! Who just gives me the chills, right? What rejoicing Sarah had in new life! But as we were reminded before, remind you again: it has not always been like this for her. It's not always been there are difficult times in her marriage there are difficult times in her fertility there are difficult times with her family thinking about Lot Han Hagar and the kings keep trying to steal her away she must have been a looker I tell you I don't know but she remained faithful she remained obedient to her husband and to the Lord and we find in first Peter 4.19, so if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to God who created you, for he will never fail you. What a statement there. He will never fail you. If you're walking in his will, if you're seeking um, what he has for you and doing what is right, he will never fail you. With that, I encourage you to be someone's hope. How much do we know that we need hope? Think of somebody that doesn't have Christ in their life. We can be their hope. We can be their hope with a positive attitude. That helps a lot when it comes to hope. And setting the example of grace in suffering. That's another way we can do that. Friends, we have all had a lot of loss in this congregation. As we've had many families come members come before us, we've had family members after us leave before their time. Many to many congregants out here. And while they can never be replaced, I believe it is healthy for us to invest in this group of believers here like you would a mother, like you would a son or a daughter, maybe even without them even knowing it, right? That is the definition of love. You're giving to give, not giving to get. I'm going to give them something so I can get something in return. I can feel loved and returned. No, I'm going to give and I'll wait for my reward in heaven. And I like to say, and that's the easiest thing to do in the world, folks. But you and I know, both know it is not easy to give to give. It is a different mindset. It is a walk of sanctification, meaning we're walking toward holiness, which means we're separating ourselves from evil, and we're walking toward the light, which is Christ, okay? That's what sanctification is. So... And in the pain and anxiety, we lean on the Lord in prayer. Does it mean that we forget our past? Does it mean we forget our loved ones from the past? No, that's not what it means at all. It means we lean on the Lord in prayer. What happens when we lean on the Lord in prayer? Does that pain and anxiety go away? Sometimes. What if it doesn't? Well, what I've found is I can get through to the other side when I lean on the Lord. When I don't lean on the Lord, I get stuck in the middle a lot of times. The lessons the blow. Uh, all those things he does promise us. And he sees us through to the other side. First Peter 5, 6, and 7 says, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Can you rest in that? Can you find hope in that? Can you find peace in that, like we sang in that last song? Find our rest. Keep your eyes open in the hard times. It is easy to bury our heads. It is easy to give up. It is easy to put our head down and say, we are just giving up. But it says that's when the devil is going to strike. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. He prowls around like a roaring lion as well, not just a roaring lion. Oh boy, that old tongue's getting me this morning. Right? But when, when's it easy to, to become a victim? When our head's not up, when we're not alert, we're, we're not paying attention right? We need to stay alert, especially when we're in the low times. We need to lean on him. The last one I find in 1 Peter 5.9 says, hold firm in the faith. When things aren't going our way, it's easy to question God, isn't it? It's easy to say, God, where are you? Where were you when this happened? Where were you? How dare you do this to me? I can't believe that you would do something like this. It is hard, right? Does David do that in the Bible? Absolutely he does. Where are you at, God? (laughs) I was doing my part, and uh, hey, if you could show up now, I'd really appreciate not dying on this wilderness-stricken land running away from the king, who is well-supplied, right? Right? But you were there, you were with me, you were my engeti in the desert. You were my oasis, is what engeti means. Right? He can be there for you. So 1 Peter 5 9 says, Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember, remember, and dare I go to Lion King? Remember, Simba, right? Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering as you are. You are not alone in your suffering. Friends, that's why we have a family of believers, so we can come together raw as we are. Come as you are, church, right? We've said that so many times. Come as you are. Come in your jammies. I don't care. You don't have to put your makeup on for me, right? Right? You're coming before the Lord. Think about this. Make up people for Sunday morning. I know, I know I'm, I'm treading on some ground here. Did not God create you? Isn't he delighted in the way that he created you? Right? Think about that one. I won't go any further than that. And if you choose not to hold firm... If you choose to do it on your own, please review 1 Peter 5, 6, especially the first two words. Be humble, (laughs) right? Be humble. When you walk in the promises of God, when you seek the truth in God, and when you are submissive to the word of God, you will have direction in your life. Let's read the next section. It's 7 through 20, or maybe it's, I have eight. I don't even know, I'm not sure what happened to seven in my in my Bible, so maybe I already read it. When Isaac grew up and was about to be weaned, Abraham prepared a huge feast to celebrate the occasion. But Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of Abraham, and her Egyptian servant, Hagar, making fun of her son, Isaac. So she turned to Abraham and demanded, get rid of that slave woman and her son. He is not going to share the inheritance with my son, Isaac. I won't have it. This upset Abraham very much because Ishmael was his son. But God told Abraham, Do not be upset over the boy or your and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you, for Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. But I will also make a nation of the descendants of Hagar's son because he is your son too. So Abraham got up early the next morning and prepared food and cons- a container of water and strapped them on Hagar's shoulders, and then he sent her on her way with her son, and she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water was gone, she put the boy in the in the shade of a bush, and then she, then she went and sat down by herself about a hundred yards away. I don't want to watch the boy die, she said, as she burst into tears. But God heard the boy crying, and the angel of the of God called to Hagar from heaven Hagar what's wrong do not be afraid God has heard the boy crying as he lies there go to him and comfort him for I will make a great nation from his descendants then God opened Hagar's eyes and she saw a well full of water she quickly filled her water container and gave the boy a drink and God was with the boy as he grew up in the wilderness and he became a skillful archer And he settled in the wilderness of Paran. His mother arranged for him to marry a woman from the land of Egypt. The next one I titled, Truth. So close, yet so far. And I kind of think about it as the water, and the life-giving water. Um, And if you look at that in a spiritual sense, that God is our life-giver when she runs out of her own that was given to her of an earthly sense she is forced to turn to god in a spiritual sense in a sense she has hit rock, rock bottom right and god comes to her and lifts her up pain begets pain here we see two we see here two parties in conflict again ishmael has not learned and he has followed his mother's footsteps of mocking other people. It doesn't go well when you mock Sarah, apparently, and it doesn't sit well with her. Now we see two paths to take. We see the path of Sarah and the promise of God, which we just went over, and the path of man with Hagar, and they end up wandering aimlessly in the desert. She doesn't have any direction. She doesn't know where to go. She, has, she doesn't know how to take care of herself. She goes out there fully expecting to die and um, walks away from her son in shame because she can't stand hearing him cry out in thirst and in hunger anymore. Why? Well, they were not a direct plan in God's people. Ishmael was not the promised child for God's purpose. He was man's solution, so God sent him away. Haggai wanders until her earthly provisions are empty. She has no more water. Everything she had from Abraham is dried up. It's all gone. She can't do it by the things of this world anymore. Maybe her beauty is gone at this point, maybe she's worn out her welcome. With Sarah, she can't do it anymore, and she gives up. She walks away from her boy in shame. She's given up. She's hit rock bottom. Why does God respond to her? Is it because of her cries? No. It's because of Ishmael's cries. He hears the boy crying. And I say sometimes the Lord uses the pain of our children to open our eyes. Many times when kids are going through trials, the Lord is working in the parents' lives just as much as he is in the, parents, or in the child's life. God hears the boy's cries. God provides life-giving water for the boy. And Hagar benefits from that. The truth is so important. Not just any truth, but the truth from the Lord. I believe Hagar has had her own truth of the situation. She thought she was going to die due to the lack of water. Notice how the Lord provides by opening her eyes. The water was there the whole time. She just had to lift up her head. She had to come out of that despair. She had to come up and lift her eyes out of the depression and see that the Lord had already provided for her. She just needed to open her eyes. She needed to be alert. She needed to humble herself and seek the Lord. The water was there, but he lifted her head so that she could continue on truth we have many versions of the truth today we have our own perceived version we have their perceived version we have opinions in the world that believe that they are right and that we have the written actual absolute truth in god's uh, design for us right Interesting when you talk to uh, someone who does is a lawyer, you have lawyers who look at the law and allow the law to interpret um, the boundaries, and then you have other lawyers who look at the law and say, How can we get around the boundaries that, that have been created? And that's two different ways to look at law, it's two different ways to look at life. I think one of them is. More correct. I believe the first one is you look at the laws it stays inside the boundaries, it's there to protect us instead of seeing how we can get around the law, which is um, it's sometimes necessary, but less and less. A reality a aha moment that a friend and I came to this week at lunch was this. It is amazing. How some realities look so similar to the truth, but they're so far away. Look at this example. It's like this. If God is for us, who can be against us? That's scripture, right? We know that is true. So, let's substitute us and we'll stick white rose in there. If God is for white rose, who can be against us? Right? Still true statement. But let's take it a little further. If God is with White white Rose, then if you oppose White Rose, then you're opposing God. Sometimes that is true. That is not always true, is it? That is not a true statement. But it sounds really good because we just walked down this truth trail, and now we get to the point, but there is always something... When we get into, the if God is for us, who can be against us? It's if we are for God. Right? If we are walking in God's ways, then no one can be against us. But if we are walking outside of his ways, then he will oppose us. And if he opposes us, we are in trouble. Right? That is a big thing. This is true if we walk with God, if we trust and obey, but What did Satan do to Adam and Eve? He twisted the truth on them. Did God really say that? Did God really say you couldn't touch that? And it was a little twisted, at least on Eve, how she interpreted it. And they walked away. That's how pride got in in front, and they walked away. And we can do the same. It's why we need to constantly go back to our source in the scripture for our truth. We were talking about it in context with the Mars Hill Church, and uh, he was listening to the podcast. I listened to it, half of one, and I got the gist of it. And basically, it's when if you get just off center, you are in trouble, right? Satan doesn't need to bump you 180 degrees. Satan just needs to bump you just a little bit to the right or a little bit to the left. And as you keep walking that path, you get miles and miles away from the source. And that's dangerous, isn't it? So Satan's not looking to to come in there and say, you now need to become uh, all pastors of the house of Satan, and this is how we're going to do it. No, that would be 180 degrees opposite of the church. No, he just needs you to focus on yourself just a little bit. Focus on your own pain just a little bit more than you do him. You you find out that your strength can get you through that pain, and now what do we do? Now what do we do? We start to wander. We start to thinking I can do this all by myself, and we start our two-year-old self comes right out there. So when we take. Out Christ out of our lives, and we substitute white rose or ourselves or something else that is good, we have a very delicious lie that goes down so smooth, yet it rots our gut. Because it sounds right, but in reality it's stealing the glory from God. God doesn't share. That's Satan. Didn't share. It doesn't share. By the way, the same sin made Satan and Adam and Eve fall in the first place, right? We see the same sin in churches, with pastors, with CEOs, with school shooters, and many, many others. Big, little, and everywhere in between. A lot of it has, starts with I can do this. I have the ability. I can use my own strength, right? That's dangerous. It all starts with siphoning God's deserved glory. When we walk in the promises of God, when we seek the truth in God, and when you are submissive to the word of God, you will have direction in your life. Let's finish it up. The passage, verses 22 through 34. About this time, Abimelech came with Philchol, his, his army commander, to visit Abraham. God is obviously with you, helping you in everything you do, Abimelech said. Swear to me in God's name that you will never deceive me, my children, or any of my descendants. I have been loyal to you, so now swear that you will be loyal to me and to this country where you are living as a foreigner. Abraham replied, Yes, I will swear it. Then Abraham complained to Abimelech about a well that Abimelech's servants had taken by force "'from Abraham's servants. "'This is the first I have heard of it,' Abimelech answered. "'I have no idea who is responsible. "'You have never complained about this before. "'Abraham then gave some of his sheep and goats "'and cattle to Abimelech, and they made a treaty. "'But Abraham also took seven additional female lambs "'and set them off by themselves. "'Abimelech asked, "'Why have you set these seven apart from the others?' Abraham replied, please accept these seven lambs to show your agreement that I dug this well. Then he named the place Beersheba, which means well of the oath. Because that was where they had sworn the oath. That's a good reason. Good reason. After making their covenant at Beersheba, Abimelech left with called the commander of his army, and And they returned home to the land of the Philistines. Then Abraham planted a tamarisk tree at Beersheba. There he worshiped the Lord, the eternal God. And Abraham lived as a foreigner in the Philistine country for a long time. Redemption, redeemed is what this last point is. Redeemed by the word of God through Abraham. Abraham the prophet. I see that, I see in you, that's what Abimelech says, I see in you the almighty God working. I want that for me and my house. So I want to create a treaty so I can know, one, I can know how to do this, and two, so I don't, uh, I'm not deserted by you, please, and I'm not attacked by you. I kind of wonder if this well thing was starting to (laughs) well up a little bit uh, bigger than what it was. Yes, I know it was corny, but I had to go there. Um, I don't know if that's the case because Abimelech seems to be oblivious of that. And I think at this point, I think he's being very from the heart. Okay, so maybe some of his people have done this behind his back and Abraham is giving it back to Abimelech to take care of. So, Abimelech says that God is obviously with you. The application in that is that people are watching. People are watching. They will observe. Are you being faithful to your God, or are you being faithless? Are you honoring God, or are you not? The next point is, swear to me in God's name. Abimelech obviously recognized the authority that Abraham had recognized, that means Abraham has recognized that authority previously. Okay? Make a covenant with me. Not to deceive me. He remembered the Sarah situation, I think. I don't, I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to have any doubt anymore in our friendship. I want this to be something bigger than that. I want to know God like you know God. I want this relationship. I can see the blessing that He's put on your land, on your people. I want my people to know God like that. Not just me, not just my house, my people. He was a king after all. And they make a treaty. And then Abraham puts to bed this thing with the with the well and seven extra sheep to make sure they are good. Seven female sheep, which also has to do with uh, grace and redemption there. And uh, perfection coming back into... Um, um, covenant with each other. So Abimelech leaves, Abraham worships the Lord, and he plants a tree. Okay? Now this is where it gets really interesting. This is where I learned so much. He planted a tree. In the Hebrew, you know what that means? To plant a tree? It means to plant a tree. But it also means, it also means this: that Abraham planted a scholar there. Abraham started a disciple-making community. He started a church right there at the well of Beersheba. So he's basically saying, you want to come and know what it means to be like me? Come be my disciples. God pursued the Philistines. He pursues the Philistines today. We just know them by a different name, right? Right? So God is after them. He's after the Palestinians. That's the name that we call Philistines today. Abraham started discipleship training. When you get somebody in your life that says, what's different about you, man? What is different? There's something. I need this. What can we do? And God says, hey, I'm going to show up. This is what we're going to do. What a testimony for us today. Has not Christ called us to do the same? Has not Christ called us to go and make disciples? Matthew 28 18 through 20 said this way Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority. Okay? So, this first part of Revelation. Okay, when the, the lamb that was slain, he becomes worthy. We see this early on in Revelation. He has been given all authority, and he sits at God's right hand, and God gives him back the authority to finish off the age. It's really kind of a neat transition there. It's a, it's a given to the Lord, and he gives it back to the son thing that's happened. That's happened, Okay this and they, we get this passage i have been given all authority in heaven and on earth therefore go and make disciples of all the nations god is commanding us that he doesn't say if you feel like it if you really are my follower go and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit teach these new disciples to, to obey all the commands i have given you and surely and be sure of this I'm with you always even to the end of the age teach them my laws obey and you could throw in what are they supposed to obey to love the lord their god and love their neighbor as yourself guess what that's the message of first john the book of first john you want a good refresher on how you're supposed to love your neighbor read the book of first john it'll light it right up for you. So how are we supposed to go out? How are we supposed to go? I, evangelism. That sounds like a scary word. Here's how you evangelize. It's very simple. You can write this down in your bulletin if you would like to. This, the four eyes I said at the beginning in the call to worship. First, you intercede with prayer. Intercede. You pray for the lost. You pick out four people And you write them every Sunday in your bulletin where you live, where you work, where you play, and where you live, work, play, and what's the last one? Do you remember? Church! Yes! Right. So those four, you write down those every single week. You put that in your Bible, and you pray for them every single day. Lord, help, A, B, C, and D. Come to know you in a mighty way. You pray that every single day. You intercede. That breaks your heart to invest in that relationship. Let's go for ice cream. Let's hang out. Let's go, maybe it's shoot guns. Maybe it's whatever you like to do. Go to go-karts. Maybe it's go golf. Whatever it is. But you invest in those four people. You come alongside them, and you intersect in the conversation Something like this. Where are you going to go when you die? You ever thought about that? I think about that all the time. What do you think? You ask good questions. Why do you think that? And you keep asking why, why, why? Do you want to hear what I think? And then you got an opportunity to share the gospel with your 22nd testimony. And you say, this is who I was. I was broken. I was beaten down. I didn't know where to go. I had major depression in my life, and I was a fearful person. But then Jesus happened, and he walks with me through the fear, through the depression. Now I have strength. I have hope for a future. Do you have a story like that? Notice how it ends on a question? They can even say, yeah, I do. Excellent. Can I hear it? What's your story? I want to rejoice with you. No, I don't. Would you like to know how you can have a story? How you can have hope? Yeah. Will you read the book of John with me? Will you just walk through it? I'll get you a Bible. Pastor's got a stack of them on his, all, all ready for you. Right? That's how you do it. And then you invite them in. You invite them into the fold. say, this is what Jesus did for you. Do you want to have a relationship with him like that? I I don't know if I'm ready, pastor. Okay, what do I do? I shake off the dust on my robe, and I say, I'm not going to have anything to do with you. I invested all this money into you. I can't believe it, and walk away, right? No, that's ridiculous. You keep investing. You show them what love is. I'm giving to give. I'm not giving to get something out of it, right? That would be the shaking the dust off, right? No, I'm giving to give. I'm going to come alongside. I'm going to pray for them. Specifically, I got to hear a little bit more of the spiritual walk. I know how to intersect the gospel better next time. And I'm going to keep praying for them. You do that for a year, God will show up. I guarantee it. That's how you grow the church. Okay? You Pray for the lost. You pray for those that have walked away. You invest in them your time, your talent, your treasure. You intersect the gospel message into their life. You invest in, um, intersect, possibly a Bible study, and then you invite them to know Jesus. Then you invite them to church. Then we get them in a disciple-making community. That's what we're working on. When God walks in the promises of God, when we seek the truth in God, and when you are submissive to the word of God, you will have direction in your life. Praise God for that direction. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for um, that you cut me off before I could go to hell, that you invited me into your family. Lord, you continue to work on and invite each one of us into the fold of your sheep pen. Continue to guide us as we walk uh, closer to you. Lord, open up our eyes so that we can see the wonders that you have for each one of us. Lord, I pray that we would invest in these four people that you have placed on our hearts, that they would come to know you in a personal way. Think of different ways that we can reach out to them with our time, our talent, and our treasures to uh, invest in them so we can intersect the gospel to invite them to Jesus Christ. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us a disciple-making way of life in Christ Jesus. As we go through every part of this day, help us to love you and to love people who cross our path, starting with our family. Don't let us miss the adventures you are sending our way to, to live and to speak the Don't let us miss the adventures you're sending away to live and to speak the good news about Jesus today. Draw our hearts to you and to specific people you want us to pull close for Jesus-like disciple-making friendships. By your word and spirit, transform us into followers of Jesus who love you, who love people, who make disciples, who make more disciples, till the end of time, ad infinitum. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.